Hello and welcome back to a brand new deep dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack Seepersod. I'm a Chelsea fan, Minnesota United fan, Minneapolis City fan, Atlanta fan, French national team fan, and US MNT too fan. Too much, too much. I know, too many teams <laughs> to, to count, but I am joined here with AJ. Yeah, I'm AJ, West Ham United, Minnesota United, US national team and also Minneapolis City. Jack, we have a, a very special guest with us today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we are joined here with Matt Van Benskoten, who is the reigning NPSL North head coach of the year, the head coach of Minneapolis City, who recently finished this season with an 11-0-1 record, reaching the regional finals, and is a U9 to U10 girls director with Fusion SC. So, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Doing Very pretty good. well. Doing pretty well. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and I'll, I'll jump in too real quick to kind of solidify that introduction. Yeah. Um, I'm Matt Bamman Scoton. I'm an absolute Minneapolis City fan, even though I'm the head coach. Um, yeah, I'll put, put U.S. national team on there, uh, but I'm also an Arsenal guy. So we, we might have a rivalry, <laughs> London rivalry here amongst the three of us, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear that you're an Arsenal fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Matt, we are so excited to talk to you today. We're going to be covering Minneapolis City, your own history with coaching, uh, and some other things about NPSL in general. But as always, first, we have the warm-up questions for our guests so our listeners can you know, get to know you on more of a personal note. So, Matt, are you ready for your three warm-up questions? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. The first one, we ask every single one of our guests this, but what got you interested in soccer in the first place? Like when did you begin playing or fell in love with soccer in general? Yeah. So I started playing when I was five. I was a multi-sport athlete. I was truthfully, I was a lot more of a hockey kid, Um, but I'm the oldest of four boys. And if you know anything about Minnesota hockey, you know, it's crazy yeah. intensive. And, you know, after a couple of years of five to seven nights a week, nine, nine months out of the year, my parents were just like, look, you got to find something else to do. So I started playing competitive soccer uh, at the age of 14 and, and got more and more into it. And yeah, I don't know if there was a moment where I truly fell in love with it in terms of an immediate thing. But I think over the course of time, it was just one of those things where you kept getting into it and you got to see just the beautiful game for what it is. And it's inevitable that you fall in love with it. Nice. Nice. Fast forwarding uh, throughout your career. What made you realize that you wanted to get into coaching in particular? Yeah. So I actually, so when I was 18 at a high school, I, I took my USSF D license, um, through the club that I was working with. They were just, they paid for it. And I was like, I'll, I'll do it. Might as well. So it was just kind of one of those things I, I, I kind of did. I think my mom actually made me do it to be honest. And, <laughs> um, you know, I never had a huge intent to do it, but I had the license. And I think the first, the first team I ever had was a, U15 girls team at the age of 19. Um, and, and that was a train wreck for so many reasons, mainly because <laughs> for them, for them, it was just much more about the social aspect. It had very little to do with soccer. And so that was an interesting experience. But um, so I, that was really the first time I coached. And then uh, when I was in college, I didn't coach because I was playing during the summers. And so that was kind of the primary emphasis was just to stay in shape. 
and uh, focus on the college season. But as I, once I graduated, um, a former friend of mine was working for a club and asked me, Hey, do you want to coach? I've got a team for you. I was like, sure, I'll get into it. And started doing that a little bit. And then when I went to grad school at Bethel, um, I stuck around and was the assistant coach for uh, the Bethel team for seven years. And after grad school, just kind of got into coaching more and more because there was a niche to fill at Fusion. And yeah, even though it wasn't an intentional thing, like I'm, I'm glad it happened and I, I love what I do. So it's awesome. Yeah. Just as a follow-up, do you know off the top of your head, how many teams or different organizations you've coached at? Oh man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I started out at, uh, Tonk United was the team that I played for. That's the team that I started coaching. Then I went to Maple Brook. Um, and now I'm at fusion, which was Plymouth soccer association. So uh-huh. there's that there's Bethel. I worked on the men's and women's side and obviously Minneapolis city. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fairly extensive for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of coaching, the final world question for you is if you can coach any team in the world, national team or club, which team would you choose to coach? Well, the, well, here's the thing. So <laughs> two questions or the two answers to this. So, I, I mean, I think the, the big one is always Arsenal, right? Like, I mean, again, apologies, apologies to you both. Um, <laughs> Arsenal's not been great recently. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun, but you know, and I, and I mean this sincerely, I love Minneapolis city and, and you, I'll nice. probably talk more and more about it. Like I'm so grateful and honored to be the head coach at Minneapolis city. And I love what the club is about. And you know, people ask me like, what's next? Like, you know, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm really happy with Minneapolis city. So, you know, ever since Minneapolis city came into existence, it was kind of one of my goals to work with the club and be on staff in some capacity. And now in 2021 is the uh, head coach for the club. Like it's still surreal. So I, I love what I do. I love Minneapolis city. And, you know, as much as I would love to coach Arsenal, maybe one day I'm, I'm really happy with Minneapolis city. All right. Well, you know, maybe you'll get the chance when Arteta uh, inevitably <laughs> drives this season down into the ground. Uh, yeah, that, that'll probably <laughs> happen in mid-December and we'll be lamenting whether or not we can make it to the Europe, Europa League. So yeah, it's, it'll happen for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, speaking of Minneapolis City, that's a great note to end off the warm questions on and really get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is talking about the season that just concluded Minneapolis City in general. So Jack, I'll hand it off to you and ask the first question about uh, the season. Yeah. So right away, I, I guess, what was your initial reaction to how the season went as a whole? Obviously, uh, we, we were at the regional final, the 2-0 loss to Cleveland. But what was your reaction after that whistle went like, you know, how did the season go? Yeah, it, you know, man. I'm still kind of in that process of, of reflecting because the season's so intensive and you're doing so much just on a daily basis that it, that it's hard to really kind of fathom everything that's gone on and where you're at. And, and so I, I, the emotional piece of it, I'm, I'm still trying to uh, fully fathom, but overall, like it, it, it was a really, it was an awesome season. I'm really proud of, what we did. I'm really proud of how we played. Um, you know, it's not just about winning games. You want to try to play the right way. Um, so it was phenomenal. And, and I actually, I was having lunch with our owner and chairman yesterday and, and he was even saying too, he was like, you know, 
we're obviously very disappointed about how it ended with Cleveland and, you know, the game itself, but, you know, five years ago, six years ago, when we started this, like this, we couldn't even even imagine this. And so to get to this point where we've won the conference three times in a row, you know, we made it to the national or the regional final. We hosted it. We were the number one team in the nation. Like, it's awesome. Like, it's just remarkable that we've been able to do that from where we started. And we've been able to do that with entirely Minneapolis or Minnesota players, too. It's been incredible. So really proud of how the season went. Really, I mean, other than the other than the Cleveland game, loved every minute of it. Yeah. And overall, like, it was super impressive. Like, this is the highest you guys have gotten in the playoffs with NPSL. Like, to see this level of continued growth throughout the past couple of years is really impressive. and. You know, obviously with that Cleveland SC game, I, I think the fans felt, I think uh, to, to say it, maybe even the players and coaches felt like that was a very winnable game. For sure. Was, was there anything that you said to the guys in particular after the game to, you know, you know, get their hopes up for next season or, or really rally the troops again after that admittedly tough loss to Cleveland? Yeah, I, so I would honestly it was, it was a tough loss and I, and it was tough for a few different reasons. I think a lot of it started with, you know, in 2019 pre COVID, we went into that season feeling like this is, this is going to be our year. Like this is going to be a really good year for us. And, and we set really, we set two really ambitious goals. And the first one was, okay, we've we've qualified for the U S open cup. Let's make a run. Like let's win a couple games, three, you know, maybe we play Minnesota United. That's a pretty ambitious goal. And the second goal was to win a national championship. And, you know, even when we said it, we, we knew it was really lofty. So 2020 happens, COVID takes away everything. And then you get into 2021 and, and there's still that feeling of there's something special to this team, um, to this roster, this, just everybody who's a part of it. And so we started the season and the momentum momentum just kept going and going and going. And, and in our you know group chat every week, we're like, Hey, we're still the number one team in the nation. And I, I wouldn't say it was a joke, but it was just kind of like, even after the first week we won and we're, you know, we're one and oh, and we have three goals for zero goals against. And it's like, haha, we're number one in the nation. And, but I said in there, I'm like, Hey, we're not dropping from here. And a week goes past, we're still number one. Another week goes past, week after week after week. And we ended up staying there. And so part of, I think a big reason why the Cleveland loss was painful and kind of hurt was just because we really started to believe like, hey, we can do this. You know, this isn't, this isn't an unrealistic goal to win a national championship. And, you know, and like you said, I mean, you guys were at the game. I think it's, it's, it's the crappy part of soccer where, for us in that game, we felt like we were the better team. We had chances in the first 30 minutes, hit the crossbar three times, had a goal yeah. that got called off right after halftime. And, you know, fair play to Cleveland. Like they're a very, they're a very good team. They're a veteran team. They knew what they had to do. Um, and they came out and did it. But for us, like you said, it, it felt like it was a really winnable game. And knowing that, you know, we win that game, then we host a national semifinal and then we host a national final. Um, and all of a sudden, like, it's just, it's over. Like it's, it was, it was a lot. And I know like, even we had some trainings this week and a lot of guys just took the week off and, and not because, you know, they were bummed or pissed, but I think it's just such an emotionally intense season that you just need some time off. And so, um, 
you know, I didn't really have a lot of words for the guys after the game, just said, Hey, it's soccer, right? It doesn't diminish what we've done this year because, you know, you look at what we did, like I just listed and, and it's remarkable. And I, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we as a staff took it pretty hard, but I think as, as the week weeks have gone on, it's been a lot easier to kind of process and, and zoom out and really look at that big picture of, you know what? Yeah, it didn't end how we wanted it to, but overall, like this was a phenomenal season and, and we should take a lot of pride in that. So, yeah, so it was tough, but, you know, I think always optimistic for the future. And, you know, if you look at kind of the trajectory of the club every single year, we just keep getting better and better. And that's the goal for 2022. Nice. Awesome. Well, speaking of pride over the season and whatever, and what was accomplished, if you could pinpoint it, what would be your favorite moment of the season, whether that's like a specific goal, a specific win, anything? Yeah, I, it, it would have to be the Duluth game in Duluth um, yeah. where we won yeah. six to one. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I love coaching, but both this year and in 2019, when we went up to Duluth and, and won, uh, clinched the conference there, I, I have never been so anxious in my entire life because again, it's a game like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter in the grand scope of life or death, but like it feels so important and it is important. And so we go into Duluth and they score two minutes in and I'm just like, Oh shit, like this is not good. <laughs> and it sucks. Sorry. I'm not sure if I can swear on your podcast. <laughs> You're good. He's going to come after us. All right. But then we keep playing. I'm like, all right, I feel a little bit better. And we score one right before half. I'm like, all right, it's one, one. And then we get the second one and then we get the third one. And it was, it was, I vividly remember that third goal because I was so pumped and like, I'm like sitting on the sideline, just screaming because they're down to 10 men. We're up by two goals. Like we basically have it, you know, the conference clinch. So all of this stress and anxiety is finally gone. And I, I think I traumatized the ball kids that were there because they're like, <laughs> holy cow, like what is wrong with this head coach? Because it was just an emotional release of, yes, we won! So, no, that for I, that that goal in particular, the third one, and then obviously we went on to win six to one, felt felt pretty good. So that, that would be the highlight for me. That was an amazing game. I, I was uh, away in Colorado and I was watching it on YouTube in my, on a stream. And I, and I was just like cheering at, at after each goal that, that, <laughs> that, that it must've been cool to be on the sidelines there and, and doing it, all of that. It was surreal. And, and, and obviously Duluth is a rival and, and I have a ton of respect for them, Sean, their head coach. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of their guys, but you know, there's obviously this built in rivalry. Um, so, so to, to, to clinch it in that manner, um, you know, on their home field is, is always a special thing. And, and especially too, when, you know, like you said, you just kind of kept scoring and scoring and scoring. And I kind of felt a little bit bad, but at the same time, like, it's like, Hey, anytime you can score and win is you're going to take it. Right. I, I thought I also saw some, uh, traveling support for the team up there. Uh, was that cool to celebrate with those guys that the title oh, yeah. after such an emphatic win? Yeah, for sure. And, and I, and it's one thing I love about our fans and our citizens is, they travel. And even in years past, like when we, in 2018, when we went to Ann Arbor, we had about a dozen people come out and like, they always come up to Sioux Falls. And I'm like, what are you people doing on your Wednesdays? Like, isn't there something <laughs> better to do? But they come out and they hang out. And so, and it's, and it's awesome. And it is truly one of the things I think that makes 
Minneapolis City Special, and it's one of the things that I think players really appreciate about the club is, you know, a lot of guys have played at a higher level, even USL2 and, and higher, you know, uh, overseas. And there's just something about having the fans who love what you're doing are all about you that it's just so unique and different. And so for that particular game to be able to celebrate with the 15 or 20 that was there is, is always really special. Like it's always super fun. Getting more into, I'd say the, the nitty gritty with uh, Minneapolis city and how you guys did this past season. How would you describe Minneapolis city's uh, style of play? Were there any like specific tactics that you and your coaching staff wanted to employ to get the most out of your guys' players? Yeah. So I call me a soccer purist and, and I don't even like the whole, like, Hey, we're, we play great soccer. We're possession based. Cause yeah. you know, I look, everybody has their own style. We're all trying to win. Right. But, but we do want to try to play good soccer. We want to try to possess. We want to try to move the ball. Um, you know, we looked at 2019, our big thing was like, we have the pieces, we have the players to play well, but it, it started with our back line and in our back line in 2019 just was, didn't look really comfortable on the ball. And so that was our foundation for everything was if we're really going to possess and dominate and try to break lines the way we want to, it has to start with our keeper and it has to start with our back line. And, you know, if you look at a guy like Matt elder, who's been here since day one, six years ago, I didn't think he really even would ever have it in him to be able to possess and play. And he really put a ton of work into the offseason, not just winning the starting job, but doing that piece because that was a point of emphasis for us was like, look, if you go back through our video or if you go back to the film of 2019, every time, you know, you punt it away, Matt, or you kick it away and it turns into a 50-50, it doesn't usually work out. So we need you to be better with your feet. We need you to be more comfortable. And he responded. And I think to have a guy like that, to have kind of that veteran leadership in back, really started to permeate throughout the entire back line. And then, you know, the mids and forwards and so on. So we really want to be a team that keeps the ball um, and find different ways to attack. And whether it's through teams around teams, um, you know, and get the ball into our forwards to isolate them. Cause you know, whether it's me or Nick Hutton or Lionel or Will Kidd or Justin Oliver, like our, our front three is, is very, very good. And so if you can get them in a little bit of space or in one V one situations, um, they're probably going to win that battle at some point. So we can possess and, and find the right moments to attack. Like that, that was kind of the gist of all year. That was the season. Uh, we're going to cover more about maybe the future of Minneapolis city moving towards the 2022 season, but we kind of want to learn a little bit more about your own style of coaching. Uh, so yeah. the first question is, uh, in this coaching topic, I suppose, what is your coaching philosophy? I know you have a history in psychology. Does that factor into how you lead your group of guys? It does. And very admittedly, and I, I will tell guys I'm very biased and going, you know, having a degree, master's degree in marriage and family therapy is, is a very big piece of what I do. And it, it probably helps or doesn't help. So when I was at Bethel University, I was coaching with Jeremy Voshkovitz, who was actually one of the first assistant coaches from Minneapolis City. And he coaches in a very similar way where it's a lot of it is people first. You kind of, you know, you have soccer players, but they're people first. And learning from him, it showed me the importance of balance. And I, and I kind of even alluded to it early on where 
you know, at the end of the day, this is a game and, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of my wife and kids, like I, there's nothing I love more than soccer, but it is still a game. And there's amazing things that can come through that, but it's important to recognize that and to have that perspective and to have that balance. And I think for me, whether it's working with my U10 girls team or, you know, these young adult men, it's really important to see them holistically first. And it's hard because 90% of the time, the context that I see them in is is as a soccer player, but there's that other 10% that I don't see that's probably even more impactful than off the field. And so we, we talk about that a lot, which is, you know, look, especially at this level with NPSL and you're not getting paid, like you're going to have other priorities off the field, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's even just health stuff. And, and sometimes like that's going to take priority over, over soccer. Right. And I think for a lot of guys, they've really appreciated that at least in, and not just from how I do it, but I think they've built those relationships and trust with one another, which is like, Hey, we're, we're people first soccer players second, And so, you know, even if a guy is not able to make a session because he has to work later, his kid's sick, like there's, there's a level of understanding that goes with that. And I think that's, that's huge because, you know, one of the toughest things as a coach for this level is I have 32 guys who are all phenomenal soccer players and they're all very used to being the best player on their team. And so, but we can only have 18 guys in the lineup, 11 guys on a, in the starting squad. And so I have to go to some of these guys every single game and say, Hey, I'm not picking you for the starting spot. I'm not picking you for the 18. And here's why. And that's often really hard to do. But I, I think because I've, I've been very intentional on the relationship piece, you know, building that trust and rapport with guys and, and having that authentic, you know, communication, it's huge because, and that, you know, I know one of the questions is also be what, what was kind of attributed to our successes here. I I think that was it because when you have such a large roster, you have such little time to work with guys, at least on the field. And they're all really, really good. Like there, at some point, somebody isn't going to like something and then, you know, they can get pissed off or they can go sour and it can, can, it can kind of disrupt the whole system. We didn't have that this year. And so even when I have to go to, you know, a guy who is an all American in college wins a national championship and say, Hey, your role this year is going to be playing in two games, probably coming off the bench and him being, I don't want to say okay with it, but understanding why and being able to say, I get it. They're better players, club and team first. That's massive. And that's so hard to get to, but I, I give our guys and our staff so much credit for that, for being able to say, Hey, look, this is more about the club success rather than what, you know, my success is, or even what I think is, you know, it's even when talking to guys and telling them, Hey, here's what I think, you know, they're competitive guys. And they'll say, well, I disagree. And here's why. And I'll be like, Hey, I respect it. I'm the head coach. It all falls back to me. So, you know, even, even in those hard conversations, um, I think for, for me, philosophically to have, to put the player in the relationship first is, is critical because you'll get the most out of them. If you see them as a human first and the soccer player second. That, that human side is immensely important to uh, coaching. I say that, especially uh, knowing how Chelsea fell apart under Lampard and not doing that. (laughs) So uh, I, 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 I understand how important that is. And a little bit more uh, taking a a step back uh, 
maybe a step in on, on the coaching topic, but yeah. how, how do you differently, how different is your approach coaching an NPSL team versus a college team or like a youth team, like U nine and U 10 level? Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of similarities, at least how I go about it. I think again, you, you put it in context, right? Like I, I obviously, whether it's college or if it's NPSL, there is going to be a competitive component to it. Right. I mean, it, at the youth game, it's competitive, but again, I always go back to parents like, Hey, this is a game. And most importantly, these are kids like soccer isn't going to define you. It's a little bit different with MPSL when you have guys who have put so much time and effort into being good soccer players and they're very competitive. Um, so it's a little bit different. I think, you know, the litmus test of any good coach is knowing when to push and say, Hey, this isn't good enough. Standards have to be higher and also being able to pull and say, Hey, you know what? We're still good. You know, let's keep moving on. I don't care about the mistakes. I care about what we do next. Um, and finding that balance. Cause if you're, if you're too much of one, you're going to lose guys. If you're too much of the other, you're going to be too soft or too hard and lose guys. Mm -hmm. And so it, I think it really is just finding that balance and you know, the other thing too, is like I, the staff this year that we had with Adam Pribble, who's our GM and was the head coach and especially having Tori Burnett, um, you know, who was a really good player at the U of M and having her like their coaches who, who get that piece too. And so, you know, we kind of talk about like, all right, who's going to play good cop today. Who's going to play bad cop today. And, and even if we're not talking about it intentionally, you can kind of tell, you know, when I'm like, Hey guys, like it's fine. And then Adam's like, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> bring it back just a little bit. Um, so it's just, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Cause you're obviously hopefully not going to tell kids that you're going to murder them. Otherwise you will lose your job as you coach. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I, I think I've, I've seen you tweet this before, but how is it dealing with parents who might want you know, there's their kids soccer team to focus more on winning rather than learning the fundamentals of the game. Like, does that ever get a bit contentious between those two values? Yes. A hundred percent. That will shock you. Uh, none, but no, I, you know, it's, it's the 85, 15 rule, right? 85% of parents, especially in a, just speaking at a youth perspective, I think the vast majority get it. Like they, mm -hmm. they understand, right. It's the 15 that you hear the horror stories about, and, you know, all these different things, but, but it is hard because, and, and especially too, like, like for me, it, cause I'm a very competitive person and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the, the Midwest final or, you know, a, a U 10 girls game, I'm going to be competitive. Now, again, how that competitiveness comes out very different, but what I try to do you know, again, philosophically, especially with parents is go back to, okay, it's a game. These are kids. And, and I'll even say to them, look, you know, as a U9, U10, you're going to spend the next eight to 10 years playing soccer. If, if you decide to continue with this, that means hundreds of hours. That means tens of thousands of dollars. So ultimately, what do you want to get out of this? And if the goal is, a division one scholarship, if it's pro, like we can talk about that, but I'm going to show you some very real statistics. You're probably not going to like, so what is the return on investment? And again, the vast majority of parents are like, you know, I want my kid to learn about teamwork. I want them to be better at communication and overcoming adversity. And so I think that's the key is in the context of competitive sports. If you can bring it back to that and say, Hey, you know what? 
and this happened with my U10 girls a ton this fall or this summer, which was, look, we played really well, loved how we played. They just happened to kick it in that big metal thing a couple more times than we did. That's okay. Like we can still be really proud and accept who we are and, and continue to get better. So it's not easy. Not everybody gets it. You're still going to have the parents that think that their kid's going to be the next, you know, um, Mia Hamm or, you know, Lionel Messi. And, and that's fine. But for the vast majority, I think it's, it works out pretty well. Before we move on to the future of Minneapolis city and those topics, we just have to ask because this is something that we've been thinking about uh, for a while now. What is an NPSL away day like? Do you guys just bust in and bust out right after the game? Like, like, what does that look like? Yeah, it depends. It's, it's pretty, it, yeah, I guess it's pretty normal and it's, it's pretty standard. So we don't take a bus. We take 15 passenger vans. So, oh, wow. you know, yeah, that's because again, that's way cheaper. Um, again, lower league NPSL team problems. Right. So it's usually Adam and I we'll go, we'll go pick up the vans and enterprise and then we'll go meet at a parking lot that we have. Um, guys meet up, bus down there, um, and then usually bus back. Cause even most of, most of the trips that we take are still within driving distance. Mm -hmm. Um, the only overnight trip that we do is Sioux falls. And usually that's a weekend one. Usually it's early on and it's four hours away. So like this year it was our first game of the season, drove down. It was on Saturday, played the game Saturday night, stayed overnight and then headed back. So, you know, when you're <laughs> the, the really difficult one is, is the Fargo one. And only because the last two years that's been midweek. And so Oof. we have to, we have to leave it like noon and then we're getting back at 1am. And I think that was actually the, uh, that was actually the trip that Adam got a speeding ticket. Um, <laughs> club, club secrets, but whatever. Uh, so you know, it's, it's most of the time, it's not too bad. It's only a couple hours. Um, you get in, you get out, but yeah, the Fargo and Sioux Falls one can be a little bit rough at times for sure. One other quick question on that. Do you have any personal game day routines that, uh, wow. that you do before matches? Like, you know, you hear stories about some players who are like, I have to put my right sock on first and then my left <laughs> soccer, but do you have any, any special routines that, that you do? Um, not consciously, but now that you mention it, I, I do always find I, I do always get gum and there's a, there's a thing of gum in my bag that I always will get two pieces before the game before, before like, uh, warmups and then two pieces right before game. Um, you know, I mean, other than that, like I like to get to the stadium, at least at home games really early and just have everything set up and just kind of sit and vibe for a little bit before the game starts. Um, so nothing, nothing too crazy other than the gum stuff, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not overly super superstitious. Well, let's move on a little bit to Minneapolis city as a whole and, uh, kind of the future of the club and all of that. So first of all, uh, pretty obvious question, I guess, but what are your goals for next season? And are there any changes that you anticipate? We'll see. I, I know there's some rumors out there about what league we will be in, which I will neither confirm nor deny. Um, all I will say to that is you'll, you'll probably find out soon. Um, right. So that'll probably answer the question without answering it. But, um, you know, even for that, though, I think that the goal every single year, and this is going to be a super lame response, and, and that's fine. It really is for City it's just long-term sustainability. It's continuing to grow the club. 
And as lame as that seems, it's so important because you look at the landscape of U.S. soccer and how tumultuous lower level soccer is. And, you know, when we came into the league, started, there was a fairly prominent soccer voice here that told us, you're going to last two years and, you know, you'll be done. And, and at the time, like that person wasn't wrong because that is the shelf life for a lot of these lower level teams. It's just, it's hard to sustain. It's a ton of work. It's not a lot of, you know, you put a ton of time and money and, and, and energy into it and you don't always get a great return. And so every single for year, every single year for us, it's just, Hey, can we continue to be bigger and better, not just on the field, but off the field. And, you know, I look at this year and yeah, on the field was awesome. And we've talked about that, which that's always the goal is to win. But I look at the fact that like our last four home games and again, two of them were playoff games. Um, you know, we had a thousand people out and I think two of those games, we had 1200 people out. And, and, and again, thinking back to 2015 when we had, 150 people out, you know, in South Minneapolis, like that's incredible. And so I think for us, it's just saying, can we continue to not only duplicate that, but really continue to grow and draw more people in. And I do want to, I do think one of the other things too, that, that we did better this year and, and need to, and will continue to do better, better in, in subsequent years is just continue to really build relationships in the community. And so this year we did some work with TC soul, which is a nonprofit futsal. We did some work with Karen FA with a guy named Kyle Johnson, who's big in the Karen community and, and is just doing some amazing things. And I want, we want to do more of that because we recognize that we are Minneapolis city. Like we represent this community and our community is very, diverse and, and in a soccer model, that's very play to play or pay to play. So it's predominantly white. Like we, there's a lot of undiscovered or not even undiscovered, but just a lot of players and communities that are, are unseen. And so to be part of that, to learn from them, to, to invite them into what we're doing is a huge thing for us. And, and I'll even go back to the current FA and, and I've gotten to know Kyle this year. Um, he, he actually, for the Carpathia game, invited some of his girls out and they were, you know, they came out, they were ball, ball kids. And we do this Saturday morning futsal thing. And so I, I was out there this last Saturday and I was talking to them and they're like, yo, we were at the Carpathia game. That was so cool. Like those guys were so good. You guys are awesome. I'm like, like, oh, like that, that's like, to me, as meaningful, if not more meaningful than all the on-field stuff is just to see players and, and, and people, both boys, girls to, to be inspired and to want to be part of that. And I think for us, the more we continue to do that and really build authentic community, I think that's where we're going to find success because soccer is a game that's built on passion. It's a game that's built on community. You know, if you've ever watched Sunderland, Sunderland till I die, I mean, that whole city is built on the success of, you know, is this team going to win or is this team going to lose? And there's something, there's something really special and incredible about that. And so I think if we can continue to do that and continue to grow and, and bring more and more people into what we're doing, I think that's success for us. Taking that even a step further, where do you see this club in five years, whether that's on the field, do you expect to hopefully win a championship or off the field, just continue to make inroads within the local community? What does yeah. Minneapolis city in 2026 look like? Yeah, man, we, it's, it's a, it's a really good question, but yeah, I think on the field, it's to be really successful. 
I think early on, you know, the, the goal for us, kind of the guiding light has always been, how do we make Minnesota soccer better? And, you know, contrary to the belief of a local MLS GM, I think there's a lot of talent here in Minnesota and there's a lot of players who, you know, look, we're not, we're never going to be LA, Chicago, Texas, like, you know, some really big hotbeds for soccer. But I, I think there's a lot of players who here who are really good. And so our goal is to continue to try to give them a platform um, to show that we can continue to compete at a national level, whether it's this league, whether it's another league, um, and, and use predominantly Minnesota players because that that is the goal for us. So I think we can be successful. I think you know even this year showed us and has given us even more hope that like yeah we're we're not that far off. Uh, and again, I'm biased. I thought we were the best team in the nation, um, and we'll continue to do that. So on the field is a big thing, but uh, yeah, I think again going back to just kind of the U.S. soccer landscape, longevity is is really just a big thing. And how do you sustain what you're doing. And, and a great example is, I think it was in 2018, Elm City Express, out of, I think it's Connecticut, won the NPSL. Like they won the national championship. They ceased to exist the next year. And so wow. it's that really fine balance of not only on the field success, but off the field. And we're fortunate that we're run by a couple of guys who are marketing directors and, you know, have some great relationships with guys who can make sweet jerseys and, you know, <laughs> and we have camp Seedorf and all these kind of kooky, crazy things that kind of set us apart. And so I think if we can continue to do things like that and just not be the norm and, and be trendsetters in a lot of different ways, I think we'll find success. Yeah. I, I mean, just one, one thing I want to follow up with on that. You, you talked about building a platform for these Minnesota players. I know mm-hmm. that in the past there have been a few players who have gone up. I think uh, someone fr- uh, from Minneapolis city ended up going to the new England revolution. So mm-hmm. in, in five years, do you anticipate that sort of advancing and going further? Like, you know, more people taking that step to those pro leagues. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And even if it's not MLS, um, you know, there's more viable options now, whether it's Lisa and, and we just had, you know, even this year we had um, Mitch Wolf, who was our starting keeper for our second team. He just got st- signed by Stumptown and Lisa. So technically he's playing professional. Um, you know, there's USL championship. We've got a number of players that are looking at opportunities overseas. Um, that's, and so, yeah, I mean, there really is, the platform is to like, Hey, can we continue to launch you guys to go on to bigger and better things? And if you don't, and you end up with us for the rest of your soccer career. Awesome. And, you know, a great example of that is, is our captain, Max Stegwart, who so really prolific playing career was on the youth national team at U15, you know, played with Jackson Newell, played with Christian Pulisic, um, you know, ended up going to Louisville, central Florida, top 25 teams. Um, and he was actually, he actually was playing USL two before he came to us. And then in 2018, the first year we went undefeated, he decided to stay with us just because he wanted to be close to the family and ended up having a phenomenal year. He was named to national best 11 for the NPSL. And so that actually kind of helped uh, traject- his trajectory a little bit higher as well. And so from there, he had a couple of USL offers. He actually got a trial with Sasulo and Syria. Uh, didn't make oh. it because they're Syria, but uh, ended up coming back and 
there was a number of USL teams that wanted to sign him, including Orlando City B. And with the with with kind of the not the intent, but the possibility that he would have been brought into the MLS squad at some point. And he just decided, you know, I, I love soccer, but I've I've got this girl that I want to turn into a wife at some point, And I've got that opportunity to have a really good job. Like I'm going to do that. And I'm going to play for Minneapolis city. And, you know, so again, if guys go on to bigger and better things, soccer wise, fantastic. Like we love it. But for some reason we tend to keep these guys around for well beyond their college years. And it, it's worked out pretty well. Well, taking a step back away from Minneapolis city and really honing in on your future, I know you alluded to this uh, before, but what are your personal career goals? I know you'd love to stay in Minneapolis city. So this could be either with the club or with, uh, you know, the other gigs like youth coaching and all of that, but just where do you see yourself in five years, I guess should be the question. Yeah. Another good question. Lots of good questions. You guys are good at your job. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I think honestly, a lot just starts with, you know, my wife and I, we have two kids, eight and five. So I don't, I don't plan on moving anywhere anytime soon. Um, so long as I've got a job that pays the bills and I can coach and enjoy it. Like I'm, I'm probably going to do that. You know, if, if a college or another team comes knocking and throws some money at me, Hey, maybe that, that changes it. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think really in five years, like my hope is that I'm still with city. I'm still coaching with them or just with them in some capacity. Um, and I mean that because it's, it's been really special to be part of something that started really kind of small and, and, and keeps growing and evolving into something that's really cool. And, you know, I talk about kind of the ethos for us as authentic community and that goes for us as, as coaches too. Like we love being involved with it because it's one of the few areas in, in my life where it feels like, you're around a lot of individuals who are really invested into this thing and, and not and invested into it because they want to be, because they see the good in it, not for ulterior motives. And, and that's so rare. And so, you know, I think Adam said it once said it best once where he's like, Minneapolis city is a bunch of ordinary people doing extraordinary things together. And, and he couldn't be more right. And so, you know, whatever happens with soccer for me, we'll see. But for the time being, like, it's, it's just a huge honor to be part of this and, and so cool to continue to see this club grow, this community grow. And so, you know, I'm hoping that in five years, I'm still a part of it. Um, hopefully they haven't fired me. Um, <laughs> see, but, uh, no, so I just, I, I, I'm just excited to see where this club is in five years. Cause I, I I'm very sure we'll still be here and, you know, the soccer world is ever changing, but I think one of the things city has done really well has been really good at adapting and finding our niches and just doing that really well. And so I think we're going to continue to do that and hopefully we keep drawing more and more people in. And, um, you know, I hope maybe at some point we're, we're similar to like a Detroit city that's pulling six or 7,000 fans and they have their own stadium and they have kind of their youth club and, and doing a lot of things like that. Um, I don't think any of those things are out of the realm of possibility for us. Um, just takes a lot of work and time to get there. So, you know, hopefully that's where we'll be in a few years. I I've got to say, if you keep pulling off records, like 11, zero and one, I, I don't think you have to worry about your job security. But we have one more question for you. 
And yeah. it's, it's a little bit, it's more of a prediction. Sure. But what is, what are you thinking? Who do you have winning the NPSL final between Tulsa athletic and Denton Diablos, a pretty close matchup four yeah. hours between the two, but, and they both ha- have had impressive seasons. Who do you For think sure. is going to take it? Well, it's interesting. So the owner of Tulsa, his name is Sonny D'Alessandro, and he's actually really good friends with our chairman, Dan Hudeman. And so part of me wants to say Tulsa just, just to stay on their good side. Um, truthfully, though, I think it will be Denton. Uh, you know, we've watched a number of teams throughout the year. I, I think a, another team that we looked at was like that, that could that could have competed and did compete for a national title was Christos in Maryland. Um, but I watched Denton and they're so good and they're so deep, I think is the key. And, and that's, and, and speaking of depth, I mean, I think that really is the key for success. The NPSL is because you get to this point in the season and you're losing kind of your high level college kids. So like if mm. we were playing this weekend, somebody like an Eli Goldman would have gone back to New Hampshire, you know, Kevin Andrews would have gone to central Florida. So we would have lost some of our key players. So you have to have that depth. And I think one of the things that Denton has done really well um, has been that depth piece, but just in terms of how they play. And I think it was the, their regional final, they were down two zero to, um, I think it was Southern state soccer club. Who's a new NPSL team, but, but they have money and, and they're a very, very well run club. And it looked like Denton was, was down and out and they got a goal back and then they ended up scoring three in the last 10 minutes. And so there's something about a team that like that, that not only plays well, but has that kind of relentlessness, never give up attitude that, you know, I think Tulsa is very good to go into Baltimore and beat Mer- to beat Christos is very impressive. I just think that Denton's, I just think they're too deep. I think they're too good. And, you know, I also thought we were better than Cleveland. So here we are, but <laughs> so I think it'll be Denton, but we'll see. All right. All right. Well, well, on that, on that, I think you agree with AJ on on yeah, that because say. we predicted this on our uh, Monday show. I think okay. I think AJ had Denton winning. What I, I don't remember what scoreline you said, AJ, but I I said uh, Tulsa two to one. But we'll see if what what comes to to pass there. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting too is, like you mentioned, they're only four hours away, and and again, travel is a huge factor. So the fact that Tulsa has to travel only four hours for the NPSL final. Like that's, that's a huge advantage too, versus going somewhere way off on the East coast or West coast. So it, it will be a good game regardless. Yeah. Well, Jack, to be clear, I, I said it was going to be a three, three thriller. Oh, right, right. Winning on penalties. <laughs> right. Right. So, I <laughs> okay. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but, uh, it'll I'm, be an I'm exciting I, game to watch if it does. Yeah. yeah I've got to have an expert on my side. experts a loose term (laughs) Uh, well you know (laughs) well matt thank you so much for joining us uh we had a great time talking with you matt of course of minneapolis city do you have any uh uh twitter accounts any other social medias that you'd want to uh plug for our listeners um i mean if you really want to follow me i think i'm i'm at m scoten whatever Twitter is, it's, it's a lot of just nonsense and some soccer takes and a lot of sarcasm. Um, <laughs> I, I typically do it late at night when I've been drinking. So, you know, if, you, if that's your, if that's your jam, great, follow me. Um, otherwise definitely follow Minneapolis city. 
um, you know, they're doing a lot of cool stuff and, and I will, again, I'll, I'll kind of plug our, um, our, our community affiliates to both TC soul and current FA. And the reason for that is just because they are for as, as great as Minneapolis city is, and as awesome as we are, these are individuals who are doing some amazing work, completely volunteer, just trying to make the game of soccer better in underserved communities and they're phenomenal human beings. So any, anytime I can give them some love, I'm going to do that. So TC soul soccer futsal and the current FA check them out. It's really, really cool. Um, but that's about it. All right, cool. Well, all those links are going to be down in the show notes below Matt again. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, really. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, it's my privilege and appreciate what you guys do. Glad you guys were able to come out catch a game this summer and uh hopefully we'll have you guys back for a few more in 2022 again thanks to matt for joining us on this show it was an awesome interview awesome to hear from him and from really one of our favorite teams to watch live in person there's just something about going to edward nelson field and watching games that that just really clicks with both of aj and i so it, it was awesome to have him on but uh if you're interested in learning more about about us and you know our exploits going to minneapolis city games minnesota united games other random soccer stuff aj's thoughts about the u.s men's and women's national teams as they Mm -hmm. finish off their international season thoughts on lukaku coming to chelsea hopefully fingers crossed (laughs) uh make sure to follow us on twitter at final third show and uh of course all of those things are on there and the the link to that Twitter or at I, whatever, whatever it is. It's in the show notes. <laughs> it's in the show sure. notes. You can find it there. Yes. And as always, follow us on whatever podcast platform you guys listen to us on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I try to mention that on Twitter sometime because we are kind of plateauing on the number of ratings. We're still at like five stars, but Come on, guys. You got to get those numbers up. Got to pump those numbers up for us. Uh, you know, we talk about Minneapolis City to the moon, the final third podcast to the moon. Right. There you go. <laughs> uh, give us a follow and a rating there. Uh, like I said, uh, tell a friend that you enjoy the show. Tell your dad that you enjoy the show. We'll see you guys next Monday with the news and predictions episode. I will most likely not be there. So it's going to be Jack and a very special guest. And it's also... Uh, you know, going to be a fun one. I think Jack and whoever the guest is going to talk a lot about some fun things going on in European soccer and lower leagues and all that stuff. And yeah, this is a long outro. So I'm going to end it off with, we'll see you guys same time, same place for the deep dive episode next Thursday. See ya. Bye for now.